All right. Um, this is the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, we're on episode 40. Um, so amazing. we got 40 episodes. Uh, you know, I never thought that when I started the podcast that it would be this awesome. Um, the feedback that I get from everyone that listens is amazing. Uh, I'm so glad that you guys are finding value in the podcast and uh, I'm, you know, so honored that, that people are inspired to, you know, be involved in this sport of pole vault, learn something, help grow it, you know, so, so humbled. Um, also would love to announce, uh, you know, especially if you do find value in the podcast and in apex vaulting, uh, we just put our online store up. Uh, if you want to buy a t-shirt, um, you could do that. If you want to buy a tank top, you could do that. Uh, we have a bunch of apex swag, uh, definitely, uh, hit us up. Uh, you can go on the online store, buy anything that you want. We'll ship it out to you anywhere in America. Um, also, September 22nd, we are running our uh, Apex Vaulting Strength and Conditioning for Pole Vaulters Clinic. It's $30, um, open to anybody that would like to register, athletes, coaches, parents who are interested. We're going to be going over periodization uh, training for athletes in and out of season. Also, how to do some exercise modifications for athletes who have injuries and, you know, how to work around that and not lose a step. Um, you know, cause a lot of times people just kind of just rest completely one that doesn't strengthen your, your, your area that's injured. And two, you're going to, you're going to lose some speed. You're going to lose some strength. It's going to take a while to come back. And so we're going to try to help people, uh, figure out ways to, to work around that. Um, Today's podcast episode, uh, awesome. We were up in uh, Rochester for the Rochester Beach Vault. It's a great event put on by Andy Fetzer and the Rockback Club. Um, there is a great, great community of pole vaulters up here in upstate New York, which is amazing to think about because upstate New York, for those of you that don't know, most of the year is under snow. <laughs> It's, a lot of it too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, who just joined in and, and spoke up? We have Dan Reynolds from the area on the podcast today. He grew up in this area. He vaulted in this area. He now continues to vault and coach in this area. And we're going to have him talk about what it's like up here as a pole vaulter. How did Rochester, the upstate New York area, get to be such a big pole vault area? Like, how is this possible in an area where, you know, it, it's impossible to jump outdoors all year round? Like they have so much snow. Like how, how is there so many, how are there so many pole vaulters? How did this community grow? Like, how is this possible, Dan? How, how, how did you get involved? Who are the people that are instrumental in growing this culture of pole vault in this area? I was going to say the number one most influential and first off, thanks for letting me be part of the Apex Faulting Podcast. Hey, hey, no problem. You look, I've known you for a long time, and I, I know you you love the podcast. You, you give me a lot of feedback, um, so I love having people who enjoy the podcast come onto the podcast because I, I think you know you, you, people like you are important in the pole vault. You know, but go go on. What, what were you yeah. going to say? So I was going to say um, the most influential coach that I've had uh, is Mike Auble through uh, PVP. I. Uh, he picked me up halfway through my junior year um, and uh, taught me mostly everything I know. I mean, I've tried to pick up from whoever I've had coach me throughout the years. But, I mean, like you said, it doesn't make sense that you would have this many people that pole vault 
in an area that's so terrible to pole vault in. Right. I mean, weather-wise, it's yeah. really, really tough. I know even, you know, um, somebody who was on the podcast, Gabby Mercurio from Apex Vaulting, she went to college up here in Brockport. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like most of the outdoor meets, they still have to bring the meat indoors, you know. Yeah. Because um, um, conditions are not really, really great. And, and taking into consideration you know, how many high schools maybe don't have indoor facilities and yet there's so many great high school vaulters over here. You know, how does that exist? How did, you know, your club coach, Mike Obel, how did he set up his club? Like, what did you guys do? Like, how, how, how did he help you? Um, well, I started with him a long time ago. And when he first started coaching me, uh, it was small. Uh, he had gymnastic rings hanging in his tree and, yeah. uh, that was pretty much it. And then we kind of just tried to figure so, out. So you guys didn't have a pit. You guys didn't have a, some kind of indoor jumping I situation. Would, I would uh, drive to his house with another athlete um, who lived in the town near me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just the two of us. We would drive to his house. Uh, he'd show us DVDs, things like that. Wow. Um, because, you know, Instagram wasn't a, really a thing. Back in 05, 06. Right. So, yeah. And just so people are clear. So, you're jumping with Mike Auble in 2005. You know, it seems like it's not that long ago. But, man, like, things that we take for granted today that we have access to, like you said, like, like just having a, a camera on your phone where you can videotape and then go into coach's eye or stuff like that, that wasn't available back then. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my parents actually bought like a really nice camcorder specifically so that we could break down video because that wasn't something that everyone had, you know, you might have a cheap little point and shoot camera, but you couldn't break down video and stuff like that, which everyone for the most part nowadays can do that with their phone. I mean, I I remember me even, I I would always buy, like, it seemed like every year and a half I was buying a new camera and made sure that I could go slow motion and even frame by frame. Frame by frame was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just so you could get feedback from what you're actually feeling. Well, right, right, right. And and so now going back to the situation, you said no pit, no no indoor facility. What exactly were you guys doing then? How, how did we got, how did Coach Mike Obel help you guys out? Uh, we got creative with it, and by we, um, it was whatever he said we were doing. And I said okay because I didn't know anything and I didn't have anyone else to go off of. Mm-hmm. Um, we did ring swings, anything to kind of build strength in that specific area that would help. With vaulting, uh, so you do pull-ups, things like that, which I know you guys are mm-hmm. uh, big fan of it at yeah. Apex. Um, we did half-stick drills. We did, um, like, takeoff lunges mm-hmm. for positioning. And, I mean, we literally would put our foot up onto his couch, like the edge of his couch, and he would kind of show us to what position. And it was just a lot of segmenting of the pole vaulting. It's really breaking it down. Really and, breaking and it down. Going position through position. So yeah. once you finally got to vault, you're like, oh, I've actually felt this. This is where this goes into this part of the vault now. Yeah. Because we didn't have a way to actually train those things besides just segmenting all of it. Right. And so you even talked about, like you said, like sometimes you might, even, you guys would even go to a local track and just do pole runs and, and you sometimes even talk- in the backyard through snow. Yeah. There's a lot of snow training. That, <laughs> there our uh, saying at the time was the weather doesn't, aff- the weather doesn't dictate if we train, it dictates what we wear when we train. 
yeah. spandex, layers, lots of layers. And how many times did you say in your memory that you recall that Mike had to cancel practice, even though you guys were practicing outdoors, basically? I don't know, once or twice, and it wasn't, uh, it was just, they get a ton of snow in Wyoming County. Right, right, right. It was just, it was too much snow, but I mean, for the most part... Three days a week, I'd drive Just out Just so there. we're clear, when he says Wyoming County, he's talking in upstate New York. I don't want anybody to get confused. Yeah, Wyoming yeah. County, New York, yeah. Um, and yeah, and it was just, they'd get these huge snow belts off of the lakes, and uh, even that, you know, Mike would tell me, hey, you can't come, there's too much snow. And uh, being a dumb high school kid, I'd, I'd try to get there every time I could anyways, and uh, there was only a couple of times I couldn't actually make it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was running through snow, and then my second year, he ended up getting a pit from someplace that was getting rid of it. Okay. Which, um, I don't know if we had touched on at all, but the pit took up his entire backyard. Just the wow. pit. Wow. Took up the whole backyard. He talked to his neighbor. His neighbor let him take down the chain link fence. Mm-hmm. So he laid out sheets of plywood and put mm-hmm. rollout runway over it. Okay. So my second year training there, I got to jump a little bit. But still wow. in the snow. Wow. Um, And he only had 50 foot of runway, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I could do, I think, up to a four, but when I would step back, my heel would hit the neighbor's garage. Okay. And I would run through the yard and vault into that. Wow. And and also, you had mentioned before, uh, you guys would have that... um, I th- what'd you call it? A vault. pole vault trainer? Yeah, the pole vault trainer. The he, pole vault he trainer. That and for that. people who are not familiar, we're talking about that that uh, rope and pulley device where you, you strap in your ankles yep. and then you have a little stubby under the pole and you get upside down and you work the invert. Yeah. And I, I wanted to touch upon that because, you know, it's so funny, you know, listening to you describe this environment that you guys had to jump in. I mean, you know, most people I think would just be like, ugh, it's too hard. Let's mm-hmm. just... We're not going to do this. I mean, jump in the snow and, oh, my God, like that year you guys didn't have a pit. Like, what the heck are you doing? You're just doing pole runs and practicing takeoff positions and, you know, you're not – you can't even actually jump until you go to meets and it's like – but yet you guys found a way to work. And, you know, I'll I'll, I'll just to touch upon that pole vault trainer with the, the rope and harness – that I think a lot of times there's a lot of coaches out there that are like, oh, you should never do this drill or you should always do this drill. And they're, they're always dealing in absolutes. And, and here's the thing. I think almost anything can work in the scenario, in the situation. Like for me at my club, we have two pits. We'll have 10 kids of practice. We have a very, very regimented system where I think that pole trainer wouldn't work at my club because of how – how quickly say, we need to move things. I was going to say, I think it's something you guys could use, but I think that you'd be taken away from things that are more effective. Right. Given what you guys have available. But in a situation like Mike Aubles, where you guys didn't even have a pit at the situation at, at the time, yeah. that was the only way you guys were going to even work on something like that. Like you, yeah. you had to do it, you know? And, and I think that, that a lot of times, you know, people want to talk about, you know, you have to do this or you shouldn't do that. And the thing is, depending on the purpose, depending on your situation, a lot of things can work. It's yeah. what works for you and your situation. I mean, listen, if somebody told me, Bronco, we don't have access to a pit. We don't have access to a track. We only have this small space. This is all I could do. I'm going to say, hey, you go for it then. You go and do the best that you can in your situation, and you know what? 
like it can grow bigger. Like go into a little bit deeper. So now, you know, you guys go from a, a place where, you know, you guys don't even have a pit, you know, you're doing just drills, pole runs, you know, the pole vault trainer. Now you guys get the pit. How does that change the dynamic of the club? Like how many people are there before the pit? How many people do we get to by year two? I mean, what yeah. was maybe the peak even for, for Mike Albel's club, you know, numbers wise? Yeah. So let's see when I walk st- us through it. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So when I started, um, there was a girl that was a year older than me. Uh, it was her senior year and I started halfway through my junior mm-hmm. year. So there was just the two of us. She graduated, went to college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I trained my second year and I was a senior obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, he recruited another girl to train, um, mm-hmm. that was a junior. So it was going to just kind of be, you know, you have someone kind of lead the way and another one figure it out. And then as right. they learn the stuff, you know, they kind of teach the next person. Um, she ended up dropping out of pole vault, mm-hmm. um, that year. So it ended up just being me. Okay. Um, and I mean, things went, things got pretty big, pretty fast because junior year, gymnastic rings, he had a vault trainer. I didn't tell you about the scooter, which was crazy. Wait, what do you mean about the scooter? So what is I'm, the scooter? I, I'm sure you've heard of like cart drills and stuff like that. Right, right. right like people right. lay on a scooter and they kind of, yeah. they have the pole against the wall and they'll like exactly. do the, the, the pull turn and push off the top. Yeah. So. And slide across the floor. Exactly. Right. Um, this was kind of similar, only the scariest damn thing. And like I was a skateboarder and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And even this like messed with me. So basically he lived at, uh, in a cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. So at the end, um, he had a PVC pipe with a rope through it that you could, um, do pull vault, uh, like a pull vault swing drill on. Sure. And then you'd have someone that would swing you and you'd be laying on the scooter, getting like spun around, trying to get like into position right, right. while you're flying around a blacktop wow. pavement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we didn't go super slow either, and yeah, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't coordinated, and I was pretty tall, so I wasn't fitting on that scooter very well, <laughs> and I was I was a little nervous. But yeah, so anyways, besides that side story, um, we started with you know no equipment, you know, yeah. gymnastic rings, which yeah, are cheap, just, very, very just limited. odds and ends of whatever we could find to try to make things work, um, to having pits or having a pit, mm-hmm. um, and then my senior year when I graduated. Um, he had a runway put in because he had moved to a new house oh, and then okay. it slowly started to grow. Um, this would have been summer of 07. Uh, he slowly started, um, picking up and I think at one point he had as many as 40 plus people. Wow. Um, I, I don't know all of the numbers and stuff like yeah, that yeah. because I wasn't there throughout the entire day right, when right, people right. were showing up and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it grew quite a bit. Um, I know that. You know, every once in a while he'd scale it back a little bit just because it's demanding and it's just, you know, a part-time job. Right, right, right. Um, but I think that between, you know, PVP, Rockback, uh, Matt Scheffler out in Ithaca. Right, in Tompkins, uh, Tompkins County, yeah. Pole Vault Club. Yep. You know. Um, I think that they've all done a great job at just giving information out to all of these athletes mm-hmm. that they've been able to kind of build. Um, yeah, I mean, that. yeah, and you just look at a, an event like today at Rochester Beach Ball. I mean, there were about 160 athletes competing today. I mean, it was just awesome. Yeah. Uh, the numbers were awesome. The environment was awesome, you know, and 
it, it, it's just amazing to see in this area that, to see this kind of growth in in the sport. Um, I feel like there's a pretty good wealth of knowledge too, just from the sharing of ideas and building off of each other, learning from each other. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I it's almost like a family tree of of knowledge, you know, yeah. um, and. Now, here's the the topic I kind of want to stem from there. You know, um, I've talked to Mike Auble. You know, he's talking about scaling his club down, you know, because yeah. um, like you said, it's it's a part-time thing for him. You know, he has a full-time job. He has a family, you know, a lot of responsibilities. And something that I know me and you always talk about, you know, you're a post-collegiate vaulter. Yeah. Your lifetime best is 16.8. Yep. Yeah, 16.8. And, you know, that's that's a good mark, guys. I mean, I, look, I think too many people, they want to frown upon anyone who's not jumping like USA-type numbers. But 16.8 for a male is still good. There's a lot of guys that walk around that have never jumped a 16-foot bar. But you're not at that USA level. You want to keep jumping. And we talk about how many people walk away from the sport. How many coaches even like now in my time, I mean, I've seen so many good coaches come and go. So many passionate coaches come and go. Why do you think that is? Maybe you can give us the athlete perspective. Like, why do you feel like some of your peers have maybe stepped away from the sport? Like, why don't they stick with it? Why, why are they not continuing to jump? You know, I think, uh, I think honestly, it kind of comes down to money for a lot of people. There's no money to be. Mm-hmm. had from it um careers continue to build mm-hmm. uh families build as far as uh, significant others things like that and all of that stuff kind of pulls away i mean if if you're working a job that's going to pay you mm-hmm. you know a substantial amount and you have that opportunity to get a raise if you work a few more hours well guess what pole vault practice starts getting cut from that right and it's and a lot of people they're like listen you know i love pole vaulting i wish i could do it forever doesn't pay the bills and I'm actually going to be losing out if I continue to do that. And I feel like that right. that makes it a pretty easy um, choice for a lot of people. Uh, I'm not necessarily other people because yeah. I continue to do it. Right, right, right. I found a job uh, where I can coach so I can continue to be around the sport. Right. Um, I can train occasionally when I'm not coaching my athletes, right. which uh, I like a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But if I had to pay... Um, and I was losing out on it all the time. I'm sure it probably would have gotten cut out of my life a while ago, but I'm six years out of college now. And I still, you know, I was jumping today. I jumped what 14 something, which wasn't phenomenal, yeah. but you know, getting home from yeah, the well, airport at one thirty in the morning. Well, right. Yeah. You, you had some travel issues and stuff like that. I mean, cause you just jumped 15, six at, at, at the Pulvo club championships a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, so you're still jumping well. And I mean, Here's the thing, and I, and I think what I you know I know me and you have talked about this, and maybe you could touch upon this some, some more. But I think a big issue for a lot of post collegiates too is is accessibility. Yeah. Not just accessibility to practice facilities, which that's always huge, but also accessibility to equipment. Like, do you have the poles that you need? Because I, I you know I know even uh, somebody right now that just recently graduated college, a good vaulter, and you know it's like. 
him and or his club are going to have to make a big pull purchase right now. It's you know, uh, and you're talking, yeah, you're talking about sometimes something that could be in the three to to seven thousand dollar price range, depending on how many pulls you get, and especially if they're bigger pulls for a big dude like you, you know. Yeah. So those are things that look. I think people have hobbies all the time that are pastimes all the time that they do spend money on. But when you have to talk about a number like seven thousand dollars, you know, well, that's a that's, that's a big ask. That's a big ask, and not only that is you're also spending you're spending seven thousand dollars on the extreme. It's not it's not like a, I don't know a crotch rocket or something like that. Where regardless of the physical shape you're in, you can use that for a while. You well, know, if you're getting right, these so just pulls, so for people who don't understand, you talk about motorcycle. Yeah, right? yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. You yeah, know, yeah, no. I, I was actually thinking about like uh, you know getting a sports car. It's like yeah, yeah so a lot of people sometimes they get a sports car and sure that might be maybe they get a beat up old like Camaro for ten thousand or something mm-hmm. like that and fix it up. But like you said, you could drive that Camaro whether you're in good shape or not. But and if you if buy you if you buy yourself a sixteen two hundred, you can't jump on that if you can't run down the runway. And that's the thing, you know. Um, I mean, I was lucky because Abel has bought me a ton of poles. Um, right. But, you know, it's one of those things where he's been able to, because he has a club, yeah. you know, he 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 would always give me a hard time. He's like, oh, you know, I'm spending all this money on these poles for you, which I'm always very thankful of. Yeah. Um, but I also, I always would give him a hard time back. I'm like, listen, like, you know, you're buying these poles because of me, but they're not only for me. Right. You know what other I mean? people other, use them. Yeah. Other people can use them through the years. Where if I'm to buy these poles, guess what? Unless I can find someone that needs them, which my stature is, you know, kind of unique as far as the area. Right, Even right. as rich as like the pole vault area is with uh, uh, talent and stuff, there's I'm, I'm a lot bigger than a lot of the guys. Well, and, and there's always going to be on the extreme level of poles. It's like okay, like uh, like for example, I have ten eight one hundreds. And I'm not saying they're not useful. I definitely have kids that need those poles. Yeah. But it's like, okay, the person that's actually going to use a 108100 where it bends and it needs to be a 108100 yeah. is small. Just like on the other extreme, something like a 16200, you know, how often are you going to have somebody like that? Which but, I've never been on, by the way. <laughs> but, well, I I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I guess I'm, I'm talking yeah, yeah. about like poles that we have at my club too. Yeah. But at the same time, because let's say I got poles for Craig and Craig got poles for himself and, you know, we have these slew of poles on the bigger end. That's why when a guy like Nick Holman, who recently visited from Missouri, he yeah. comes by, we have poles for him. You know, it's not like I don't have big poles and that gives me the flexibility to have almost anybody come to our club and, 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 and jump. And what's nice at the club level, if people are looking at getting into, you know, starting a club mm-hmm. is that poles don't expire. As, as far as I know. Yeah. I mean, I jumped on a steel pole today. Oh my goodness. I, at the end of the, yeah. the end of the beach vault, um, someone brought a steel pole and I was like, uh, I'm. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to try this thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're heavy, not as heavy as I thought. Stiff, surprisingly. Weird. Weird. They don't yeah. bend a lot. No, nah, not, not much. a lot of flex There's on steel. A little flex, <laughs> but yeah, not much. Um, but the thing is, if you're starting a club, you know these poles don't expire, and if you start building your inventory, right, it's like a book on the shelf, an expensive book on the shelf, but it's but, always yeah. there. That right. you can always go to use Correct. that. If you have series and stuff like that, which I highly recommend buying yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, several poles in a series. 
Right, yeah. For us, you which de- is expensive, but right, cuz you don't want to have gaps. Yeah. You know, but but the the thing is like that's the thing. I think for people to jump post collegiately, they need to have access to places to jump and the equipment. Yeah. You know, it it becomes super super difficult if you don't have the equipment you need to to jump, then you can't jump. It's it's over, you know. And and think about it like this. Look, a lot of people like to weight train. How many just people the same thing. How many people actually own their own weights? I Very mean, few. maybe they have a dumbbell here or there, but it's like, come on, if you're a guy that's trying to squat, you know, 300, 400, 500 pounds, uh, weights are a dollar a pound. You, you could end up spending a thousand dollars in just weights alone, never mind the squat rack and yeah. the bench and, you know, all that stuff. So that's why people join gyms. Right. That that's why that exists. And I, I feel like, you know, again, we've had these conversations and, you know, you can chime in, Dan, but it's like people walk away from the sport because it starts to just become too difficult to keep up with the sport. Yeah, I think there are pa- passionate people out there who love the sport and enjoy it. You know, I mean, you were telling me about a former vaulter from your college, one of your guys that graduated a couple of years ago. Yeah. What, what, yeah. what did he, he tell you? Yeah, so uh, this was the first athlete um, I coached that graduated. It was about four years ago. Uh, he's in med school now in, um, oh, jeez, I always mess this up, Maine. Um, okay. And uh, he came back for the summer, and, you know, he still works out with me and stuff like that because I've got a garage in, or a gym in my garage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, hey, man, uh, you should jump with me. There's a summer meet. Um, They have meets available, which is actually pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, A local high school has meets on Tuesday nights. It's like $7. Uh, You can jump whether you're 29 like myself or they've got little kids doing races and stuff like that. Affordable, a a way to compete still. Yeah, yeah. So I convinced him to come, and he jumped. Uh, He hasn't jumped in probably a year plus. Yeah. And 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 he's 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 told me that he doesn't care if he never bar again. He said, I've missed pole vault so much. If there's some way that I can just pole vault without ever clearing another bar. He's like, I would do it because I have such a blast just hanging out and doing this event because it's so amazing. Right. And so here's another idea I want to throw out there. I think a lot of times when people talk about the pole vault, kind of like, you know, I mentioned before, it's like certain people are like, you should never do this drill and you should always do this one or whatever. Well, I feel like people talk about the pole vault as if like everyone should be doing the pole vault only if they're training at an Olympic level. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's, I get weird looks, that's, so. but that's bullshit. That's yeah. not, that's not possible. I mean, I had a girl one time, she was, a, she was a 12 foot vaulter. She had just finished uh, college. She, uh, her job took her somewhere near Texas. And so she, she contacted a coach that was in the area in Texas that she was in. And the coach said, I am only willing to coach you if you're trying to train for USA's. And it's like, okay, this girl's a 12-foot vaulter, and even at the time, you needed to jump 14 to go to USA's. You're asking a lot, man. This girl is working a full-time job. She just graduated college. She would just like to continue pole vaulting, and you are telling her no, basically, that she's going to have to give up everything in her life to pole vault. Well, here's the thing. Just like there's a spectrum of gyms out there. I always use this analogy lately, and I I said it several times today because I – it again, so much fun at Rochester Beach Vault. I can't tell you. I talked to so many different people about pole vault, about our sport, and I'm telling you guys, 
there's a lot of love out there. A lot of people want to see this sport grow. And the thing that I talked about is like, look at just gyms, right? There's a spectrum of gyms. You have like the powerlifting gym where guys are trying to squat a thousand pounds and they're bleeding through their nose, right? Like real, like really like hardcore gyms where like they're blasting heavy metal. People are cursing at each other, right? Like you have that. That's on one extreme. Then boom, you bump over a little bit. You get the strength and conditioning gyms. That are training athletes, yeah, yeah, to to be faster and stronger for their sport. Yeah. Then you have CrossFit, which there's a spectrum there, but CrossFit is a lot about community and training together. Then you have something like LA Fitness, where you could just put your buds in and go do your workout. There are personal trainers there if you want them. There are kickboxing classes, and then you have all the way down to Planet Fitness, where you know someone feels good about paying ten dollars a month and not going to the gym. Yeah, you get to tan after eat your pizza. On the way out, you know, and what and and we're we're going a little tongue in cheek, yeah. Uh, with Planet Fitness, for some people. but hey, I'll even put it this: I mean, we're joking around like that. Planet Fitness is not serious, but for some people, Planet Fitness is a necessity because they're so intimidated in the other environments yeah. that Planet Fitness is the first place that they can maybe actually try to to start to you know, work out and, and be healthy, right? Yeah, and I'm never so, one to discourage. You know, what right, I mean? like, right, if right, the, right. If that's the first step you need to take. By all means, yeah, start, do it. Start working. So, but here, first up is the hardest. So here's the thing: all of those gyms provide a value, and there are people, there are clients for those gyms. Yeah, absolutely. So pole vaulting, there's also this spectrum, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, yeah, of course, there's the post collegiates that are maybe trying to get to, get to the next level and go to USA's. Then there might be guys like you, a little bit on the fringe, like you want to train seriously, but you got a full time job, and yeah. so there's a little bit of I still balance have goals. there. I know I'm not right. getting paid for them, right? But, but there, there's there's things that I think right. I can still get done, and I'm going to keep pushing for and, that. And then there's and gonna, it keeps me in shape. Yeah, I mean, look at me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and and here's the thing too. There's also then on the other end where it's like you have guys who are just like trying to jump for fun. You know, I mean, um, at the Povo Club Championships, we had this Masters Men's section. Yeah, one of the local clubs. Like, it's so cool. Yeah, uh, how many people Pl- did you have in there? There's quite uh, a few there. All came uh, well, I, I, well, from that club, yeah, but yeah. from their masters, I think it was like five or six masters guys. The coach there is Carl Parambo from Vault Factory, and he's got this masters group that is awesome. First of all, those guys love to razz each other. They're busting yeah. each other's chops, talking shit all the time. It's so yeah. funny. Um, but it's a great group, and you can tell it's just a bunch of pals jumping together. Maybe they're not, you know trying to train for the Olympics, right? I mean, one, they're masters, right? Like they, yeah. they're a little bit older, but they love the sport and they want to do it. I mean, could you imagine if, if Carl was like, oh, no, I'm sorry, guys. I only train people who are serious. Yeah. I want, I want pros or nothing. Yeah. It's like, no, like there's a spectrum of people out there. There's a spectrum of possibilities out there. And the thing is, if, if we as a community can provide that value for people, they're going to come out. I mean, Again, look at an event like today at Rochester where it's like so many people showed up. Like obviously people want these pole vault events. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. They come – What? I'm, one guy was from Canada. Yeah. You know, we had mm-hmm. what? Three different states represented at yeah. least. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people. I mean, lot, even Craig came from Canada, too, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, Craig's yeah. from my club. He's from Jersey, but he was in Canada on yeah. vacation and then came down to Rochester. He had to cross the border to get over here, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, plenty of people came from hours and hours away. So, you know, I, I think that there is a demand for this sport, but we have to provide the opportunities. I yeah. mean, um, again, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I, I just can't stop thinking about it. Uh, Jacob Sanders, Sanders from Maryland, he listens to the podcast. Uh, you know, I'm, I feel so humbled that, you know, he was inspired to start a pole vaulting club. You know, he, he told me, he goes, look, Bronco, he goes, the pole vault clubs in New Jersey have grown the sport because he goes, uh, New Jersey has 40% more population than Maryland, yeah. but New Jersey has double the amount of pole vaulters where, where the hundred meter guys, wait, I think I'm confusing this. You said, uh, I'm sorry. The one was bigger, but they were both, um, yeah. Which is bigger, New Jersey or? No, New Jersey's bigger, but okay. I'm just going to pull up the quote cause I don't, I don't, I yeah. don't misquote no, him. Um, but no, like, uh, I don't know. There's just. There's tears to it, and there needs to be the ability for people from all levels to start doing it. And there's, you know, people out there looking. Right. Um, gosh, where is this quote? It's buried in there somewhere. Hmm. I, I can't find it, but I, I know. Oh, here it is. He goes, something interesting. I just looked into this. New Jersey has 50% higher population than Maryland, but somehow has more than double, more than double the number of high school vaulters, and yet only 40% more high school 100 meter runners. So think about that. For the 100 meters, as long as you have a track team, you have 100 meter runners. Right. But we only have 40% more than Maryland, even though we have 50% higher population. But we have more than double the amount of vaulters. Okay. And so yeah. he was saying, like, you've literally grown the sport. And that's what's inspired him to try to grow the sport in Maryland, which he's doing. He First week he opened up his club, he had 20 vaulters. Which is insane. And he, he was t- talking to me. He's like... Bronco, he goes, I didn't even market this. Like, I literally just, like... Opened the doors and yeah, people walked in. Yeah. Oh, hey. Yeah, and and the thing is, if you think about in other um, industries that are more competitive, I would say, like strength and conditioning, if you opened up a gym, like, you, you might not have any clients the first month because it's so competitive and there's probably gyms in your area, so you're going to have yeah. to really work hard marketing your, your strength and conditioning gym to try to get some people in through the door. Yeah. So it, it's so crazy. It's like literally in the pole vault, there is immense opportunity. If you literally open up a place, you are going to have people jump with you. Well, that's the thing. So like at the beginning of this, you were talking about how, you know, upstate New York has all of these clubs. But the thing is, geographically, they're still hour plus apart from each other. Right. You know, and there's a lot of people that jump and train, but I feel like, you know, if you... Like you were saying in Jersey and stuff like that, you guys don't really compete because you guys are so far apart and there's so many people there. It's not like you guys right. are taken away from each other. Right. I mean, it's just building everything together. Right. In, in the one county that I'm near, Bergen County, there's 56 high schools alone in that county. Then in Passaic County, there's 20 plus high schools. Morris County, there's 30 plus high schools. I mean, th- these Essex County, another 20 high schools. You know, this is all in a very, very, like, it's within our radius. So we have a lot, a lot of kids. And, and yeah, look, even the pole vault clubs that it's so funny, like, yes, I compete against other pole vaulting clubs, right? Apex vaulting competes against other pole vaulting clubs. 
but not really. Yes, we may be at the same meets as some of these pole vaulting clubs and our kids jump against one another. But look, I might be well over an hour away from one of those other pole vaulting clubs. So it's not like we're not competing for the same clients, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I actually can't wait for this. I really think pole vault can be so popular that we will have clubs that are maybe minutes apart, like 10, 15 minutes apart. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then you have true competition. I think one, you also have the ability to have clubs that are different, like a more like laissez faire fun club that you just kind of, it's like kind of open pit time. And then you're going to have the very structured clubs. And then that even allows for the coaches who do want to be the super elite, like this is an elite group club. They can be there too because th- now there's going to be enough supply of pole vaulting that we can start to even go deeper into d- certain niches, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's something I think is definitely possible because people are looking for these different avenues. Like some people want very, very structured training. Some people just want to jump, you know, and there's everything in between. Yeah. So it's like th- there's opportunity for this, you and know? And I feel like, you know, I. I could be wrong, but I feel like if you were able to even open up a facility, like a full-time facility, you could just have different structures for different days. Even, right. You or know, you, like, you could I, have different clubs in a building. Yeah, that too. Know? Yeah. Rent, you know, rent the space out. Right. You know, well, if need be. Or. Well, you know, and just f- figure out a structure. I mean, I think, you know, if you had multiple pits, like let's even imagine a place that had four pits, let's just say. You, you could have multiple multiple clubs there because depending on the night like you said like maybe friday nights are open pit time and it's run by this guy and then or this gal and then you know maybe monday wednesday saturday or something that's like the elite group comes in at this time you know it's like so you you can have all these different uh structures and all these different services to provide for people you know i know even me especially during indoor track i mean we're not as bad as this uh, upstate New York area, yeah. Rochester, but even in North Jersey, we get snow. It's not really possible to jump outside. So I get a lot of schools that they'll rent time at my club, which I'm I'm happy to help out any high schools yeah. because I know they need the pit time. And it's like the high school coach will come in with the, the kids and they rent out the time and they jump, you know? Which is great because, right. I mean – I know outdoor this season. I think uh, I think my athletes at the collegiate level jumped outdoors once mm-hmm. for all outdoor track. Yeah, it was indoors all yeah rain, it, snow, just terrible weather to the point where it's not safe to jump. Right, and and in Jersey we're you know again it's not as bad as upstate New York. So I would say within a half month month into outdoor track we're usually okay. Um, but yeah, I mean like, look, like there's, there's a need for that, you know? Um, I, I just, you know, again, for me, what I think people are not understanding is that we can keep this sport going by providing people all this value. Like it's not just about high school kids jumping either. Cause I feel like that happens too. There's so many clubs that are just so high school driven And it's like once the kids graduate high school, that's it. They're done. You know, but it's like there's opportunity to coach people from – first of all, I think they can start younger. I'm starting to get a lot of younger kids. I I, I even have an 11-year-old girl that started training with me in the past year or so. And so it's like 
and and then you can have people jumping in for, for as long as they want to jump. Yeah, I you feel. Um, I mean, you asked earlier why I thought you know a lot of people stop jumping. Yeah, um, and I feel like most of at least my friends that I've jumped with through the years, um, it just gets to the point where it's. You know, there's not an area where all of us could train together anymore. Right. You know, besides all the money aspects and stuff like that, if there was a club that was 10 minutes for me and all of my friends and that was, you know, a place that we could all go, I guarantee we'd still be all jumping together. Right. But it, it, like you said, or, um, earlier you were talking about, uh, what's the, the guy from Maryland's name? Uh, Jacob. Jacob. Um, I don't know if he knew that he was going to have 20 people show up, but a lot of times if you start something, yeah. you're going to have people like you, you might not think there's a, that there's that big of a need, mm-hmm. but I feel like, you know, if something was to start in Rochester that was centrally located, mm-hmm. had the ability to jump year round, which right. you don't have that ability unless you are certain high schools, which there's very few that have that. And a few colleges have that capability. Right. Um, and if you were to open up some kind of facility that had, well, what, what's the space thing that you said it had to be like, what, 105 feet well, by? Well, uh, so I, I mean, before we get into the space parameters, j- just to go off of what you're saying, DC vault, right? So they're, they're a club in the Washington DC area. Yeah. They actually had, uh, an adult night. It was like a, they called it DC vault, DC fray joint pole vault experience. They had 20 participants, all adults, all beginners came out. So these are all people. They've never jumped before. They're all adults. They're out of college. And they had 20 people come in and they wanted to jump. Like, how freaking awesome is that? Like, you know, and this is yoga. They learn stuff all the time. Why? Yeah. Like what? Like, yeah. Some of those yoga positions are way more difficult than just pole vaulting on a set of mats. So the point being is like, like you said, if, if you provide this service, you know, there's definitely going to be people that want to take part, you know, and look now to, to, you know, again, sorry to cut you off, but like no, you asked the the question about the parameters, like the space required. And I think here's the other thing. We think about pole vault. It's like, okay, well, you need a 150-foot runway. You need 45-foot ceilings just in case someone breaks the world record by 20 feet. Uh, you know, it's like – you have all, <laughs> Yeah. You, you know, people think about all these crazy parameters. But it's like think about this going back to, to your club coach, Mike Aubel. It's like you guys didn't even have a pit at one we point. We had to shovel the snow off of it to jump in the winter. Yeah. So it's like you have to make do with what you got. Well, here's the thing. I think – if you're really looking to build just a training facility, not for meets, I mean, you could probably deal with like 105 feet by maybe 35, 37 feet because you'd have enough room for two pits, right? And the runways would be roughly 85 feet. There you go. Well, na- now, I mean, let's just go with uh, 105 by 37. So you're talking about 3,800 square feet roughly. And maybe you can go a little bit smaller too than that. Um, yeah, I mean, you're looking at rent that would be under three thousand a month if you could find that kind of location. But I think I think that's. But you, you don't know, have to start there either. You can build up to that. Well, right, you can build up to that. But w- what I'm saying is, like, you definitely don't need like I my facility is 5,400 square feet. I think that's more than enough. But there are people that think out there, it's like, oh, you need a 10,000 square foot facility. Well, 
good luck with that. That's going to be really expensive. And now you're all of a sudden priced out. You know what I mean? And they're not thinking about how, how to grow it in, in a way that's sustainable. Yep. You know, sustainability is key. Yeah. You know, and it's like, here's the thing, you know, you brought up money before. Well, I think there's a lot of coaches out there that because of the financials, they don't stick with coaching because the financials aren't there. Yep. Well, we have to make the financials work for us. Well, you always, um, with Andrew coaching, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah he yeah. loves doing it and mm-hmm. he's making a substantial amount of money coaching one, one day a week, you yeah. know, I, I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, one, I, <laughs> I think most people would say I am overpaying Andrew and Andrew, I think you're worth every dollar. Uh, but the reason I'm doing that is because I know I can't do this by myself and I'm willing to bring someone else in to help me grow my business bigger, which helps me grow pole vault bigger. And, you know, it's just all around just helps. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that, that there is again, opportunity to make it financially worthwhile for people, you know, and we were talking earlier, you know, I think after expenses, I'm, I'm somewhere in the $40,000 a year range right now, which is nothing crazy. I, I listen, I'm not going to, would you rather be doing anything else? So well, okay, and and you're bringing up something good, but it's like I I don't want to like mislead people. I don't want anyone to think that oh my god, like this Bronco guy must be like super wealthy. Uh, Just handsome. I I am handsome. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like like you said, I know that there's nothing else I'd rather be doing than this. So even though it's forty thousand, like look, I know a lot of people that work for forty thousand dollars a year and hate their job. Yep. I'm. I make $40,000 a year and I coach pole vaulting. So I already feel like I'm winning. Now, do I want the business to grow? Absolutely. And I think it can. And I think I will make it grow because I, I have some ideas. You know, I think a lot of people can do this though. Yep. A lot of people can do this. I, I think for many people in the community, you know, that coach, they're doing it through a school or maybe it's some side thing. But for our sport to continue to grow, I think more people have to be willing to take the chance. And it's not for everybody. But I know people already who have contacted me who want to take the plunge. They want to take the chance. And look, it's no different than starting any other business. If yeah. you want to open up a bakery, there's risk. You want to open up a pizzeria, there's risk. You want to open up a franchise like Dunkin' Donuts, there's still risk. Yeah. You know, you you're taking risk with business. But if this is something you love and you really think you can grow it, and I know we can grow it. I it's I was a great sport. Yeah, know? I was talking to somebody at the meet today who um I was introduced to me. He's a coach. Coaches distance. He was a distance runner himself. And all of a sudden, like we're, you know, we're talking about track and I go, listen, I don't mean to offend you. I go, but let's be honest. I go, I don't have to make anybody pole vault. I go, you know, it's not like distance where you have to make people go run. And the guy starts laughing at me and he goes, no, Bronco, you're not offending me. He goes, I was only five foot four in high school. And I told my head coach in high school, I was like, I want a pole vault. And he laughed at me and said, go run. That's how I ended up doing distance. So it's like, even the distance guy was like, no, you're right. Pole vault is kick ass. Yeah. And that's the well, thing. Well, how often do you have to actually pull athletes off of the runway? Oh, Bronco, just one more. Just one more, Bronco. Yeah. Nope. I, there's times that I've 
I started pulling the pit out of the way. I'm like, you yeah. guys are done. So yeah. We got to go. We have four minutes to clean everything up. Yeah, yeah. We're mm-hmm. past due. Right. It's a great event. Yeah. And I don't think you've ever heard someone go, can I do one more repeat quarter? No. <laughs> you know, that last 400. Uh, I think I, I can do it faster. Can I do can one I, more, coach? Yeah. I don't think so. I've been around track a long time, and I've never heard yeah. anyone ask for another sprint. Yeah. It's, you're just not, not going to hear that stuff. So we have an amazing sport that people want to be a part of. I mean, I... I Come on, people are thrilled to do this sport. I mean, even if you jump eight feet, this, and and the, here here's an idea, and, and I was kind of talking about this a little bit today. I I love how in our sport it's so funny. No one could uh, comment negatively about a professional's jump. You know that's not allowed. But man, does everybody love uh, ripping on some middle school kid helicoptering over eight feet? Like that's not how you do it, and blah blah. blah. For me, I see someone helicopter over eight feet. I'm like, high five, go, go you. Like, I love seeing people try this sport. I love pe- beginners trying to learn and, and fall in love with this sport. I mean, how many of us, it's like, it didn't take the most beautiful jump in the world for us to be like, I love this. Oh, yeah. You know? I got, I got really hurt when I, <laughs> my coaching cue when I first started. Run until the pole rips you off the ground. That wasn't Mike Auble, by the way. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. This was high school. Uh, yeah, this coach. was uh, it wasn't even a high school coach. It was a high school kid that graduated and came okay. back. Even and he yeah. said, you know, he was a good volunteer though. He yeah. was an eleven foot guy. Or, yeah, yeah, <laughs> not the best. Um, no, and and listen, it's not even about the height that you jump. It's just. You know, this was not someone who was an experienced he was, coach. He was not a knowledgeable um, vaulter. He had just jumped the highest anyone had in a while, so mm-hmm. they figured he knew the most, which was not the case. I got really hurt. I tore a bunch of things in my hip. Doesn't matter. I kept doing it. Yeah. You know, and uh, I still fell in love. I got extremely hurt. I couldn't walk right for a year. Yeah. And but I, you still I, still I wanted not, to be a part of it. Yeah, I wasn't setting the pole down and walking away. Yeah. Well, and and you know, and I, I think there's so many people out there that, you know, maybe they don't have access to enough information yet or n- not personally, right? Like they yeah. don't have someone that that can help guide them personally as a coach. And you know, luckily through social media now, we have access, you know, to so those ve- avenues. Um but even though these people don't have, you know, a mentor right beside them, they still love this sport. They still want to be a part of it and they love doing it, you know. And that's the thing for me. I, I just, you know, when I come up to Rochester Beach Vault, I love being up here because I, I, I love seeing the community. I love seeing all the people that are into the pole vault. And it, it just pumps me up because if up here in Rochester – where most of the year you're covered in snow. About nine months away. Yeah. <laughs> People are this into pole vault. You know, this this can be everywhere. This is, this is proof now. of how popular the sport yeah. can be, you know? Yeah, and it doesn't happen overnight. But, you know, it takes a couple people to start and continue to build. I've been around pole vaulting in this area. Um, I mean, I started working with Auburn in 2005, 2006. So yeah. 12-ish years. And I mean, it's grown so much. I mean, just at Albles, I mean, you asked, yeah. you know, how much it had grown, and it it went from rings in a tree that we'd have to chisel ice off to use in the winter, mm-hmm. to he's got three runways with lights on it. He's got an extension on his garage, sixteen mm-hmm. um, foot ceiling to hang um, 
gymnastic rings and stuff like that. So you can train in the winter. Right. You know, it's grown a ton just through there or just through his place. Mm-hmm. And I've seen uh, Andy Fetzner at Rockback. Yeah. And uh, Matt uh, Scheffler down at TCPV. C. C. Yeah. Um, I've seen, you know, all of the people that, you know, and the thing is, these are great people. Mike, Andy, Matt, they've shared something with people and they've made it so that people want to stick around and want to keep growing. And if you get a couple people that are willing to do more than what they've already done, because they're all part-time guys and they've done a phenomenal job with it. You get someone that goes full-time like you do it. Yeah. You know, I, I think it'll continue to grow. They just, like you said, you need to just start having more places for these people to do stuff. Right. And, and Rochester's he, no place special. It just happens to be that there's a lot of people up here that want to jump. Yeah. And, and people provided access, you know, yeah. Andy, Matt, Mike, they, they all provided access, you know, and he, here's the other thing too. You know, I, I know that, that you, uh, you brought crap. up, oh. yeah, no worries. Yeah, sorry. It's all right. Um, hey, it was a long, hot day. Um, but you know, you, you know, we were talking about how when you were in high school, you had someone coaching you that you know didn't really know what they were doing, and yeah, you know, at least in the you, you brought you brought up you know it was an eleven foot vaulter. Here's the thing: I don't I don't think any of that matters, right? Like like I was a ten six vaulter in high yeah. school. You know, I I jumped fourteen once I started coaching, which again that's not that big a deal either. But but here's my thing: I I, I want people to know that you don't have to be a physics professor to be a pole vault coach. Like I think sometimes that that's an inaccurate thing yeah, too. Absolutely. Where no, look, the pole not that complicated. Are is there information you need to know? Absolutely. You can't just tell people like here. I even though I just made the tank tops that say grip it and rip it. Yeah. You can't literally go up to a beginner and be like, here's a pole, grip it and rip it. Yeah. You know, there's the, a time you, and a place for yeah. how you say things and who you right. say them to. Right, and so it's like you have to have a structure, you have to have a process, but. The thing is, with some information and some knowledge, you could start out, and as you coach, you begin to learn more and more, and you become more knowledgeable. You know, I, I don't think you need to be an Olympic level coach, you know, to coach a beginner, to coach, you know, someone who's just trying to have a good time jumping. You know, you, you don't have to be a scientist. Yeah, no. You know, the, I mean, I didn't. I didn't mean for it to sound like, I just wanted to clarify. I, for say, I didn't mean for it to sound like, I think if you haven't jumped high, you can't coach people high because that's mm-hmm. not the case. But in this instance, he didn't know anything. He was, he was a good athlete, which is why he got over 11. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, he, he wasn't a, he wasn't a knowledgeable coach. And I think that, like you said, you know, it doesn't take a lot mm-hmm. to make beginners or to be able to coach a beginner. And to keep them safe, because yeah. that's my number one thing. Right. I want my athletes to be safe. I want to see everyone vaulting safely. Yeah. You know, I, obviously high is the number two priority. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't want to be questioning whether they're going onto the mat or back onto the runway. Right, right. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing where if you get so, if you don't know stuff and you have questions, you know, you're a great person to reach out to. There's well, a ton of people. I'd be. I'd love to answer any questions yeah, people and, have. Yeah, and, and I think that's the thing, too. Like, the pole vault community is at, at a point where 
with social media, you know, there's enough people out there and most people are happy to talk to, to people. And I'm more than happy to answer questions all day. I, lo- I love talking pole vault with people. I think most pole vault people love talking pole vault because you can't talk pole vault with everyone, yeah. you know? And so, you know, and, and kind of to, to wrap this up, you know, I, I just think, Look, there's a huge opportunity out there. There's a lot of people that want to pull vault. They want to keep jumping, you know, and I think if people just start thinking about how to provide access, how to provide that value to people, you know, the, we have a sport that, that could boom. I mean, Rochester, the Rochester area is a perfect example of how, how big the pole vault can be because the community is so big. It's so, so large here and it's so welcoming, you know. Uh, I think if more people start to think on that angle, you know, this, you know, we'll have more post-collegiate people jumping. You know, we'll have a bigger master's community jumping. You know, we'll have more like DC vault events where there's yeah. 20 beginners who are all adults. It's not kids, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, that that means a lot to our sport. I, th- I think there's definitely a lot to grow, you know. I was going to say, I had a distance runner come up to me at one of those, um, the Penfield meets, just mm-hmm. a Tuesday night meet. And he was yeah. like older guy, probably similar age to me. He's like, how, how would I get started? Yeah. That's he's like, awesome. He's like, I see you guys doing it and it looks awesome. He's like, I'd love to do it. He's like, what kind of stuff do I need to find out? Yeah. Who, who yeah. can I contact around here? And I was like, you know, I was like, I don't really know anyone that does beginner stuff for 20 something year old. Right. But I, I mean, you know, but look, it doesn't mean that there's I, clearly there's a need for it. You know? Yeah. He, yeah. That's the only person that said anything to me. Who's to say that there's not other people that would show up? You know, you throw a couple flyers at a different, a few different places. Yeah, you know? there's definitely going to be people that that are interested. You know, and I've got some adults that train with their kids too, don't you? Right, right, yeah. and and so I mean, that's the thing. It's like there, you can grow the sport past what you think is out there. You know, I think a lot of times people just think, oh, there's X number of high schools, three pole vaulters per high school, so I can only have max this many. No, you can grow the sport past that. You know, yeah. you don't know how many distance runners are interested in trying pole vault for the first time that are in their 20 to 30 something yeah. year old age range. Th- those people are out there, you know, and I, I just think we have to open our mind to the possibilities of, of the amount of people that actually want to want to pole vault. Um, it's a little bit late. And I got to be up in the early in the morning, so we're going to end it. But, Dan, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having um, me. Greatly appreciate if it. If somebody wants to reach you, what's your Instagram again? D Reynolds PV. Awesome. And, again, uh, Apex Vaulting. We're at The Real Apex Vaulting on Instagram, Apex Vaulting on Facebook, Twitter. Um, we're on Snapchat. If you want to email us, it's apexvaulting at gmail.com. Our website is just apexvaulting.com. And, again, super pumped. Um, would love it if, if you guys enjoy Apex stuff, if you would buy a shirt, a tank top, you know, rep our brand. Uh, if you do buy a shirt, it'd be awesome if you tagged us in, in a, in an Instagram post or something, that'd be super cool. Keep growing the sport. Yeah. And, and, uh, September 22nd, we are having our Apex vaulting strength and conditioning, uh, for pole vaulters clinic, um, $30. Um, if you're interested let us know. Okay. And, uh, thanks for listening guys. Well, I was going to say, uh, if you can't find me contact Bronco, he loves to give my info out. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, thanks for everything. All right. Uh, you'll see, we'll see you guys next time.